0: Blessed with all kinds of uh, nice music today. (coughs) Thank you, Ricardo, for your contribution online. Appreciate that. And London, your song with your mother was fantastic also. (coughs) And I always appreciate hearing my daughter sing as well. So that was kind of a fun little treat. Why don't we uh, begin with a word of prayer and we can get into the message today? (coughs) Father in heaven, we want to just pause briefly and ask that you continue to be with all of us, whether it's online or here. <clears throat> May you uh, be with my voice, seems to be giving me an issue right now, and be with the lights and the, 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 the microphone and all this technical stuff, and the internet, be with those who are near and be with those who are far, physically, mentally, emotionally, wh- whatever all of our state is. <clears throat> May all of us truly hear you. And we ask it in Jesus' capable name. Amen. <clears throat> so as we uh, continue our year-long series on the foundation, today the sermon title is God's Meeting Place. If you'll join me in the opening scripture. The opening scripture today is uh, Exodus 25. Exodus 25, verse 1 and 2. You'll turn in your scripture, or your smartphone, to, uh, Exodus 25 verse 1 and 2. We can read that together. The Lord was speaking to Moses and he wrote it down for us to learn from all these years later. In verse 2, God says, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution of for me. Years ago, several thousand years ago, God worked with a group of people to build a church. It's an understatement to say that the people and the building were very, very unique. These people didn't have a Bible yet, not a single page. They didn't have years of success they could draw on they actually had the opposite. (laughs) They had 400 years of very severe slavery. If you can imagine for a moment in your mind what it would be like in America, though with all of the challenges we have, and we have plenty, and every month we seem to get more, but it still must not be as terrible as some places because the majority of the world still would love to migrate and live here for some reason. But if you can imagine the last 400 years, (coughs) if every single person, man, woman, child, every single person that lived in the United States of America since 1621 was a slave. No education, no money, no benefits, no help, no future, no good times, 400 years. And I realize in this country, we've had times and moments, and for some people, long times, where African-Americans, where Indian-Americans, Native-Americans, female-Americans, recently immigrated-Americans, We've had times in pockets, and some have been more extreme, and some have been longer. But we've had times where people have been treated poorly. But if you can imagine, every single person, every moment of their entire life, for 400 years, were treated this way. That was Israel. It was so deep and so ingrained, it, affects, it affected their entire life, mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, emotionally, and financially. They couldn't kind of look back and say, man, we're going through some tough stuff. But I I remember, you know, my grandma and grandpa, it was going well for them. Or their neighbor had some good things happening. Everything they touched, everywhere they looked, was slavery. They didn't have great faith. They didn't have great education. They couldn't kind of, let's imagine a better day. They, they, They didn't have those type of things. And if that wasn't enough, we think we're going through tough stuff with the COVID. They had month after month after month after month after month of 10 plagues. It brought the most powerful government known to the world at that time to its knees. They weren't able to print money. The government wasn't able to step in and help so much. And here was Israel suffering in those conditions. And God swoops in and says, hey, I want to take you out of here. It's going to be in the middle of the night. So the place you're living in, you don't get to sell it and make a little money. Even if you had a few dollars, you don't get a chance to go to Chase or to Bank of America. You don't get a chance to take out those few dollars you may have saved after 25 years. (coughs) We're leaving tonight. All you need is God. That was Israel. And if that wasn't enough, and I'm simplifying the terrible stuff they were going through with the last few people they had and the last few bow and arrows that they had and the last little bit of anger they had left, the Egyptian military, what was left of it, was trying to chase them out of town. That was Israel. Exodus 7, verse 4 and 5, God speaking to to Moses says, Pharaoh will not listen to you. But I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. So, God delivered the challenged group of people just the way he said he would against all the odds, against all those challenges. And the reason he did it is because he said, they're my people. They're my people. Now, through history, God has had three remnant groups. They were the first one. And uh, we have the wonderful privilege and accountability and the burden to be a part of God's last day remnant. But they were the first. (coughs) they didn't have much going for them. As I said, they were slaves, they were uneducated, they were poor, but they had one, they had one little thing going for them. God said, they're my people. That was it. Because God loves everybody, and God says, well, technically, everybody's my people, but relationships only work when it's a two-way. When I like you and you like me, you can't force relationships. And even with God, he doesn't force it or it's abuse of authority. And God has never abused his authority. So he gave people a choice. Whoever wants to be my people, I just, I want to bring something better to you. Just follow me. You don't need anything. That sounds terrible to humans because we like to hang on to stuff because we feel secure in it. And God says, no, no, I got better things in mind. You just need to follow me and trust me and I'll take you to a better place. And evidence that everybody is God's people. For a brief moment, there were even some, some of the Egyptians were willing to trust that God enough. Even, according to the Bible, even some of the Egyptians had a a rare moment where they wised up and thought, it actually would be a pretty good idea if we trust and appreciate this God and follow him. And some of the Egyptians even did. And so the Israelites and some of the Egyptians left town. And they were heading out of town. And um, Exodus 25, verse 1 and 2. They are now out of town. And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people that they may take for me a contribution. From everyone whose heart moves in them, you shall receive a contribution for me. After God chose to deliver these people, knowing their history, their heartaches, their fears, their shortcomings, their scars, their challenges, their baggage. God did something very unusual. God asked them. God said, hey, I've been putting a lot of time and effort into helping you. And he asked Moses to ask them, are you interested in... In helping me, God stepped in and said, "I'd like to help you, but I want to give you a choice. Are you interested in helping God?" In in uh, the Hebrew in verse two, there, what's translated as the word heart, <clears throat> in the Hebrew is the word love, and it, it's similar in English, where it's basically it's not literally meaning heart. Heart pumps the blood. That's it. But even in relationships, we say, "Oh." you know, oh, it hurts my heart, or, you know, it's just a way of basically talking about your emotions in your brain, where it's basically your emotions and, and the spirituality combined is what he's referring to in verse 2. And God's saying, it, it, this is only for the people who, who feel that stirring on their heart. If you don't feel God stirring on your heart, then it wasn't for them. <clears throat> it wasn't for them. It's for the people then who felt God was really doing something in their heart. And their way of responding was saying, yes, I like what God's doing in my life. I like it. God is so good. He's so generous. Those are the people that he said, let those people make a contribution. But sometimes because they were the first remnant, they were Israel, it's history, and sometimes, you know, we can over-exaggerate and say it's really good or really bad, and most of the time because it's that group <clears throat> Sometimes we, some people over exaggerate and make it sound really great. But it was confusing. It was confusing for them. They had 400 years of slavery. Now they're free. I used to do a lot of prison ministry in other districts. <clears throat> and um, something that sounds kind of unusual and unique is, say, if somebody was in prison, uh, imprisoned at, say, 19 years old. <clears throat> and they say they get out when they're 59 or 62 and they get out and you know what's there's several things that go through their mind you know one of the things that goes through their mind I'm free but I don't know what to do I don't know how to act Think, everything's changed <clears throat> these people were slaves they couldn't do anything without someone else telling them to do it now they're free what do you do with freedom after 400 years They were free. It was confusing. In the past, they didn't have three-car garages, but they had a place to live. Now, they're in the wilderness. They had food. They had water. Now, they didn't. They had Egypt. Abusive, but Egypt was looking after them. And if you think that's as strange, it is strange. But go read. Go do some research. Talk to somebody. You wouldn't have to look very far. Talk to somebody who's been in an abusive relationship. It's confusing. When somebody gets abused, man, it's not good. You need to get out. But sometimes, in some abusive relationships, <clears throat> there's a unique connection that it's like, but they're taking, you know, if it's a husband or wife, it's like. but they're... I get food, I get water, I get lodging. If I get out of that, who's gonna... These people... Had Egypt control them, of course it would be better to be free. But now they're free, and who's going to meet their needs? It's easy for us to say, well, God, of course. Will. Is that what you say when you're going through tough times about yourself? When you're going through a really tough time? Well, it's, it's God, of course. No, we, we suffer, and we hurt, and we complain, and we push on the people around us. And we hit tables, and we... Sometimes people, you know, let, as my wife says, bathroom words fly out of her mouth. And they were real human beings who out have a really bad spot. Now they're really free, but what do you do with that? They don't have a house anymore. They don't have food and water sitting there. Probably wasn't the best or lots of it, but in the desert, what do you eat and drink out in the desert? Surrounded by sand, they were broke. As they're leaving the city, it may sound good, but this is more confusion. As they're leaving the city, according to the Bible, some of the Egyptians who chose to stay behind gave some of them gold, silver, wood, oil. They gave them stuff. This would be so strange. You used to beat me, used to whip me, used to spit on me and treat me terrible and, and do all kinds of horrible things. Now I'm leaving town... You're giving me these things. Who needs gold out in the desert? Why are you giving to me? What am I going to do with this? Are we going to go on a shopping spree and go into town? No. All this confusion was happening in their mind and so much more we don't know because we're not in their shoes. And they're out in the desert. It would be such a confusing time, yet such an amazing, amazing time to make sure that you have God working in your heart. That was their only hope, is to have God working in their heart. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel, that they take from me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is... Part of the contribution you, you shall receive from them gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine twisted linen, goat's hair, tam, tanned ramskins, skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil, olive oil for the lamps and spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and all kinds of amazing rare gems for the setting that the high priest was going to wear on the ephod and the breastplate, and etc. What a time. God said, if you appreciate, God said, if you appreciate that I set you free, meaning, you know, if, if God, in their context, if, if God's stirring on your heart, help me build a sanctuary. Help me build a church. Help me build this temple. But only if God is stirring on your heart. And they built something, so apparently... Many of them were willing to let God stir on their heart. He shared the blueprint so they know how to do it the way he wanted, to help people, to build this, to build that. But their church was unusual. As I talked about last week in Isaiah 55, verse 6 through 9, God's ways and his thoughts are not ours. They're much higher, but they're so different, it's hard to wrap our brain around sometimes. Can you imagine... I I'm not sure I would my employment would last very long if I did church the way they did. Sometimes it it it, it, it 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 it's interesting sometimes people say, "Well, if we just do it the old way or the way they used to do it or more conservative or." Like I'm not sure I'd be employed if I did it some of the ways they did it. Their church was unique and it was God's blueprint. What am I meaning? Their idea of church was they brought an animal, they would kill it, they stained it some really bright, bold, unique color, and in the holy place, in, in, in rooms, that was the wall. You know, at some point, we'll have to discuss what we're going to do with the carpet and the walls, and <coughs> their idea was, well, let's kill a goat, and, and, and paint it a really unique color, we'll put it for the wall, or put it for the ceiling. Their idea for church was, right, so if you made a mistake this week, Union, uh, you, you, you get to bring your, your house pet, and, and the pastor will give you a knife, you just cut its throat at church. And God said, as a pastor, I get to take some of that blood and I get to just, you know, put it on some of the furniture. And you know what else God said? In this building, we don't need a bathroom. We're putting blood everywhere. There's a lot of dead animals. We don't need a bathroom here. There's a million Israelites. The inner building was 15 feet wide. That's like two of me and about this much more. It was uh, 45 feet deep, which is basically where Sebastian is to the back wall. The outer curtain wasn't even to that wall to that wall. And, it, and the length of the curtain went from approximately that back light to approximately the sign out front. And there was about a million of them. They didn't have a floor. They didn't have floor. Nothing. Not a window. And I suppose they didn't mind with no window because all that was outside is a wilderness, a desert, sand. No bathroom. No lights. No microphones dead animals and blood and that was their church. But God did some unique, amazing things with those unique people in that unique building. Verse 8 God continues and said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Depending on your translation (coughs) he, he goes into some deeper stuff there which we'll unpack here in a minute but God wanted to use them to help make the place. In the beginning, God just simply said a few words, and we have the sun, moon, stars, grass, earth, dirt, rocks, water, oceans, birds, tigers, leopard, you name it. God just said, give me an ocean, and there it was. He could have done that. I mean, imagine... I mean, we say, well, yeah, they had a pretty neat building for back in their day. Imagine if God just spoke. They could have had heating and air conditioning. when I mean, it's like, what is that? This was thousands of years ago. They could have had running water, bathrooms. I mean, you name the best building you think you've ever been in today, God could have done 100 times better back then. And everybody in the world would have flocked there and said, man, what about this God? Man, that's Amazing. How do you even do the running water? Toilets? What's a toilet? Flushes? What is all of this stuff? I feel something warm coming out. What's that bright thing? When it was super hot in the desert, they could have the cool air. It's like, who came up with these ideas? God didn't do any of that. God had this very unique, and I mean this in a respectful way to God, but a very unique and very stubborn way of doing it. He said, I want to do it with you. I want to do it with you. And guess what happens with people when we combine? Well, I don't need to say, because you're people and you know what it's like as you combine with other people as you live. But that was God's plan. I want to build this, but I want us to build it together. Let's build it together. That was God's plan. They wanted to build it together with them. Imagine if a little kid, imagine if a little kid showed up, (coughs) because God said, well, you know, just bring some wood, bring this, bring... What if a little kid found in the desert like this, what if he found a stick, a branch, a piece of acacia wood? When I was young, I loved to play with wood. Any of you like to play with wood when you were young? Some of you are still young and you like to play with wood. I know my son does. What if a little Israelite boy brought a piece of wood to Moses and said, you, God told you to tell us that we're supposed to bring some wood. There's my piece of wood. Imagine if that wood got polished and smoothed out, and that was the stick, that was a piece of wood that was used to carry the table of showbread, which was God's presence. And the boy would just say, That was my piece of wood. That was my piece of wood. Imagine if you were in your 20s or your 30s or maybe you were 40 years old and you had two kids. And maybe, uh, since they were slaves, maybe at some point before you were taken out of town, life's complex and one of the Egyptians killed your husband. And now you were single. Imagine if you and your kids brought just a small, you didn't have much because you were a slave and you're poor And you brought a, all you had you brought a small piece of white linen and God said yeah use that on the curtain on the outside that will be perfect and every time that family came to church every time that single mom and those kids could see that white curtain all the way around and they'd remember every time they came to church God takes care of us. He wraps his arms around us. He keeps us clean. He keeps us warm. He keeps us happy. Love to have my husband and our dad, but he's meeting our needs. He gets us food. He takes care of us. And every time they came to church, they'd see that and they'd remember that, that God can take care of them. Imagine what would go through their minds as those people were bringing things. verse 8, God says, let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Some translations say that I may dwell among them. In the Hebrew, it's a little clearer where he basically says that I may dwell in them. If you think I'm stretching, you can go look at the New Testament. I think it was uh, my daughter's uh, Sabbath school verse actually alluded to this in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. And there's other places too because in the New Testament, An individual Christian is referred to as a sanctuary. And a group of Christian believers are referred to as the sanctuary. Because the point is, as you're talking about all these different types of sanctuaries, the main point is, which is why he was doing this, his main point wasn't a building. It's, I mean, you go to Lowe's, it's sheetrock, it's paint, it's the same stuff that's in your bedroom, your living room, your kitchen, your bathroom, your garage, it's, it's just wood and sheetrock and stuff. And just like their, their things were just stuff. The point of the then or now is what God wants to do in us, if we're letting him stir in our hearts and stir in our brains and say, I like what God's doing to me. I like that. Then when we walk into church, church is better only when Jesus is stirring in our hearts. That's when church is amazing. That's what Jesus was trying to get them to see. Let me, let me recreate you in the image of God. Let me put God, let me be putting the Messiah into you. Let me be building that in you. And it will rub off in the building around you. That's what God was trying to do. And it worked so marvelously, so well. That after thousands of years, archaeologists are still digging in that area, trying to find those pieces. Thousands of years later, Hollywood, that really isn't that into Jesus overall. All these years later, Hollywood still has made many movies about that sanctuary and finding those pieces. Because something happened with those people that were so mind-blowing... You can't fake it or duplicate it because God was doing something so amazing. And it didn't happen because they were ultra educated. It, it didn't happen because they were ultra wealthy. It was the opposite. They were slaves. They were poor. They didn't have anything other than God. And for us, we have that same privilege. We have the same opportunity. But in some ways, we have much better opportunity. They didn't have the Bible. We do. They didn't have a great history to look back on. We have all of this history and more. We can see how God is reliable and learn from them. They were literally slaves. We are not literally slaves. They were literally poor and broke. We'd all like some more money, amen? But we have more than they did. Everybody here might not have a doctor degree, but we're all more educated than they were. But even still, God demonstrated that even if we were in the same condition they were, it can still happen at an amazing scale if we let Jesus work on our hearts. And they're the evidence of that. God demonstrated that. Showing that it's important to let God stir in your heart. And it's been happening here. Who would have dreamed two years ago you have your own building? Five acres, 20,000 square feet, anywhere near Dallas. We don't have a ton of money. God said, that's okay. I know how to get the owner to drop $600,000. Like what happened here in the Old Testament when they marched around the city of Ai, what did we do to get him to drop $600,000? Absolutely nothing other than stay in our own building and prayed. We didn't have the money. God says, well, no kidding. I'm aware of the future. You know, that's only a surprise to us. God was well aware of that. He said, I can find a way to make you afford it. We don't have endless amounts of money to fix this place up tomorrow with the work be from 10 to 6. But as God keeps stirring on our heart, God can do anything. He took slaves with nothing and changed the world. He can do that in this little area with us. Easily. The only thing he wants now is the same thing he wanted then. Let me stir in your heart. Let me stir in your heart. And it's happening. I've seen it in lots of places. When we've had work bees, people are letting God stir in their heart and they're putting forth powerful effort. When you come here to work bees, you'll see the teenagers that uh, life's complicated. You name the category. It's hard to get some people to be useful these days. You pick the category and... Sometimes people pick on kids, but our, our teens are awesome. When you're here for the work bee, you'll see them working hard Micah, Elijah, others working hard during the work bees. Justin, Unia, they're working hard. Nine year olds, 10 year olds, 12 year olds. There's times I come here during the week, many, many, many days, and there's teenagers here doing work that you don't know about, which is okay because they're. They're doing it for Jesus. They're not looking for attention. Not that on the work beat people are looking for attention, but some of us were out tearing up the carpet and, and taking off the glue and getting ready the getting the foyer ready for some stain, and, and we had people here again more teens. Hillary, uh, Lauren. Here, here we are. The three girls right there. Awesome, Madison, and I mean Mercy. This world is in trouble. Here again you name the category some people just don't make good decisions and life's complex and but here are three wonderful young ladies and they worked and we were here a long time and they worked and they worked It's happening Many of these things don't cost a penny I like these girls and some of the guys and people of all ages and Bill's here and Tony and when nobody even sees it or knows it. It's not about anything other than letting God stir in your heart. It's like Brian Higginbotham was sharing for the Sabbath school lesson today. You can't always explain. How do you explain God? It's not easily explained, but I know He's doing something in here. And I can see it. And he's stirring with some of you. And that's why things are happening. Other people are (coughs) giving money. Some are doing powerful, powerful prayers. Wonderful prayers. And God is answering them. Some people are giving powerful time and effort and strength and work bees. Some people are giving tremendous creativity to to, to make all this happen. Some people are are helping financially. So in the third floor, as, as, as donors have already stepped up and said, hey, I will sponsor the third floor so there's heat and air up there. And praise Jesus for stirring on their hearts. So that when, when you feel the warmth air come out, it's a reminder, not about the person, but thank you to the sources, but it's a reminder that when the warm air comes out, it reminds us that, Jesus warms our heart we've had donors uh, donate so we can see and have lights and others have stepped up and matched that do- donation And I, it's because God is working on their hearts it's not true to say well they must have a bunch of money that'd be really nice for them it has nothing to do with that we all know people who have lots of money man, and they want more, and they're not sharing a penny. It has nothing to do with if you have tons of it. They had none of it, but they let God stir in their hearts. And the people who are giving some money so so we can see and have lights is because Jesus is simply stirring on their hearts, and that's it. So that all the way to, to the northern parts of America, all the way to Europe where we have people watching, and listening. They can see the light of Jesus. We haven't had a chance to decorate it yet. It's not that fancy. People aren't tuning in because, oh, we love that carpet. And and in my own personal opinion, people aren't tuning in because they want to hear Pastor Mark Is my allergies flare up and I have some coughs. They tune in because Jesus is doing something to their hearts. That's why people come here. That's why they tune in online. Because they want to connect with Jesus. And some of the money that you give is going to those things. Heating and air conditioning on the third floor. Lighting here so we can see. People can see online. Eventually we'll paint. Eventually do the carpets. We'll do lots of stuff eventually but it only we, God could have done it all like this and, and, and have and given us the church for free and had it all finished that's heaven It'd look better than this and it's free God can do it like that but he didn't because he's going to go at the pace and at the rate that we all of us, online lovers, myself, you all of us, it, it will go at the rate and the pace that we all let Jesus work on our hearts. If we let him work on our hearts slow, it goes slow. If we let him work on our hearts fast, it goes faster and better. Life is complex, but in some ways, at the same exact time, it's really kind of simple it's really kind of simple. God has been doing some amazing, amazing things here. And my personal opinion is because you are letting God stir on your heart. So I say, continue. Keep being those people that are radical enough to let Jesus stir in your heart. When the majority of the world is encouraging you 24 hours a day to fight it. Keep letting Jesus stir in your heart. In closing, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people, speak to the remnant, speak to Israel. Today that would be us. That they take for me, not for me, but for God. That they take for God a contribution. From everyone whose heart moves in them, you shall receive contribution for God. And this is a contribution that you you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, purple, blue, scarlet. All these beautiful yarns and fine, fine twined linen goat's hair, tanned ram skin, goat skin, acacia wood, olive oil for lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for fragrant incense, onyx stones and many other precious gems and jewels that they, they, the priest put on his uh, clothing there, the ephod, the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, dwell among them and dwell in them exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furniture, so you shall make it. God is great at making things. In my personal opinion, his concern is not chiefly on a building. His main concern is what's happening in this sanctuary, in our heart so I encourage you to continue to let Jesus stir in your heart and as the person who has the privilege to be the pastor here thank you, it's a beautiful beautiful thing to see when human beings let God stir in their hearts let's pray Father in heaven thank you for humbling yourself to come down so low that you would care about the slaves years ago and help them. And we say thank you for humbling yourself and coming down so low to help us. Individually, personally, as family units, and also as crosswalk, and as well this entire campus. You have been so good to us. Contin- we are humans, and humans are sinful, and we could be stubborn and slow continue to give us the desire and ability to let you work in our hearts. You know we need it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.